The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It is uh, early September. The National Football League uh, season uh, is commencing. The uh, baseball um, stretch run is in full bore. U.S. Open tennis wraps up this weekend. Um, autumn could, is could upon be great us. for Canada. Could be kids are back Canada. to school. Yeah, um, and the hockey and basketball seasons are perilously close to commencing. At least training camps are. Uh, and so it seemed appropriate that we should uh, discuss a little hockey. So we're going to do that uh, over the next couple of days. And uh, today, the uh, general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Kyle Dubas, will join us. First time on the podcast, I believe, John. It is. And, uh, you know, Kyle is not one to shy away from, uh, from the pressure and not one to shy away from questions. So it's going to be interesting to see what he says about... Uh, what his summer was like and what he's done with his team and what he will do with his team. If anything significant over the course of the next uh, six, eight months, Kyle Dubas, uh, this time on the podcast back after this mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch. She can wear every day for movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics or tried and true bestsellers movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. McCown and Shannon back with you and uh, joining us this day, the uh, general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Kyle Dubas, is with us. How are you doing? How's your summer been? Uh, it's been fast, Bob. Thank you. Uh, but we're, we're back up and rolling. Start our uh, development camp here in Toronto today with our young players and, and rookies and, and um, off to Traverse City, Michigan next week for the rookie uh, tournament hosted by Detroit and uh, less than two weeks away from training camp day one. So uh, summer is effectively over and we're on to uh, the 21-22 season. I guess the fair question is, is how agonizing has summer been? Um, it's, there's just been so much, John, um, you know, we, we finished on May 31st, uh, obviously hugely disappointing. And then you're right into your preparation for expansion. We had a number of staff hires to make here on the, on the coaching side at, at all levels. So, um, you know, that, that took 
it's it's been interesting how fast it's gone by which i think given the way that the season ended is a good thing uh goes by fast and you get a chance to pick yourself up and get back at it again quickly and and uh, get rolling but between the staff changes and uh expansion draft draft and free agency through july um i think it's gone by very very quick and and the, so the agony happened early and, and then you have to dust yourself off and get back at it Actually, you you, uh, you you talked about staff changes. I, I think people forget that Dave Haxtall, the new Seattle coach, was on your staff uh, uh, the last couple of years, uh, and you've hired Dean Chinuth. What what uh, what what will ha- Haxtall's absence change in your um, planning? Yeah, I mean that's it's that's probably a, a question that uh, Sheldon could better answer. But having gone through that process with him. Um, in replacing uh, hack on our staff. And then we also, so we added Dean Chanel to replace hack. So Dean comes from Carolina where he did a really, really good job with their defense and with their penalty kill. And so our, our hope is that it, it is as seamless as possible. I think whenever you lose anybody from any enterprise, you're hoping you can replace them with someone as good or better. Uh, and hack is obviously one of the best Um in hockey at, at what he was doing with us. And now, and that's earned him the chance to get back into the, into the lead chair with Seattle. So for us, it's trying to replace what he did here with our defense and the penalty kill um, with the best person we could find. And we're fortunate to be able to have Dean join us. And then we also added Spencer Carberry, um, who was the head coach and the AHL coach of the year last year at Hershey. Uh, so that he'll round out the staff in addition to Manny Maholcher who returned. So we're, we're excited about where we're at and, and, um, and where we're where we're going with the coaching staff for me most excited i've been about our coaching staff in in my time here overall with kyle dubas the evaluation process for you as a general manager is a 12-month deal i understand that it happens every day every hour really you're constantly evaluating where you're at your how your players are performing what things you may need or want etc etc but how do you evaluate um the success of the regular season versus the disappointment of the playoffs and how much weight do you put on one versus the other? Well, I think in the end, Bob, our goal is to win the Stanley cup. So when we don't, that can only be achieved in the playoffs. And when we don't reach that in the playoffs, I think you have to be very realistic and objective and say that you fell short. One of the things that we've tried to focus on is that if, especially now going back into the Atlantic division, if we, do not have our focus set on having a great regular season and building up the habits that we're going to need to have playoff success in the regular season. We're going to be in, in difficult there. So we're going, I think everyone in our organization knows we're going into the season. We're going to be going head to head with Tampa. They've won the Stanley cup two years in a row. Boston is a perennial contender. Florida was one of the best teams in the league last season. They lost to Tampa in the playoffs in a great series. You've got, um, Montreal in the division. They went, they obviously beat us. They went to the Stanley cup final. And then you have Ottawa uh, that's been very open about what their aspirations are and the way that they finished last season and the job that Pierre and DJ have done there um, is is that they aspire to, to be a playoff contender as well. So you've got all, you've got five teams, uh, six teams in our division that are, are very open about what their aspirations are in terms of playoffs. And one of those teams for sure in our conference would, would miss and thus be greatly disappointed. So I think for us, that lets us really hone in on the fact that if we don't have a great regular season, we're not going to set ourselves up to get to the playoffs and you can't just get there and flip a switch anyway. So it is greatly important. That said, 
I think we all know uh, in our organization, players, coaches, management, everybody, um, that our team has to begin to have success in the playoffs, uh, that the fans and media alike are not going to be uh, overly satisfied by another you know, record-setting regular season. Um, they want us to win the Stanley Cup. That requires winning four playoff rounds. And so in my role, you try to, you know, you try to keep the focus on the day-to-day and what's required to have success in the long run um, in terms of what you need to do day-to-day to get there, but also know that we need to set ourselves up to have success when we do get there uh, and, and break through, uh, which we haven't done yet. Do you, do you think that, and this is a difficult question to ask, but do you think this is your last chance to do that? I mean, you've been here seven years now. Uh, this is my eighth season, uh, John. Yeah, and, and so going into the fourth as – as general manager, I, I, I mean, I, I never uh, think about things that way, but I also don't shy away from the question either. Um, and I think that it's, it's certainly fair um, to ponder, and especially given the fact that we, we're going to return the same core group, uh, which I have great belief in. If I didn't have belief in it, knowing the, the consequences to the team, we wouldn't have returned it. Um, but I think it's certainly fair to say that if, if, there aren't changes to our performance in the end that, that there will be changes uh, to the organization. And um, I think that that comes with the territory of operating in a market like this and operating with a team that hasn't reached its potential in the playoffs um, thus far. Do, do you, um, is there anything out of the player exit interviews you can share that, uh, that, that, uh, that some people may not have heard about uh, over the summertime? Sure. I, I thought, John, that the players, uh, especially after the season, so we we lost, I think it was a Monday night, Tuesday, I think everyone just took the day, and then Wednesday we did our team photo and exit interviews. It was the most uh, accountable that I've heard the players, um, just in terms of what their role was in us falling short in the playoffs. And it was also the most adamant um, that I'd heard them about the fact that they believe in themselves and they believe that, that this group will push through. And I don't know one wants to hear that right now. And that they don't want to hear us say anything. They want to see us go out and do it. And, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I understand that. I appreciate it. But I, to me, it was, a, it was a good sign from our group that they were very, very open about what their responsibility was. And the fact that we had to lead in the series three to one and we, and we weren't able to get that fourth win. And also the fact that they have a deep belief in this group being able to get there and that they were going to back up those words with their actions over the summer and their training uh, and how they came into the regular season. And, you know, we're, we're still, um, you know, just under two weeks away and we mostly have every player in our facility each day, which we've never had before. And I think that to me shows a great level of, uh, of commitment and, and how serious they are about, um, about this upcoming season. And the fact that I think there are rightfully a lot of doubts about whether this team can do it and they're going to get to, uh, to proving themselves and our organization, right. Uh, starting on October 13th. As you look back on that playoff series with Montreal, was there, what was it in your mind that caused your team to lose the last three games and, and ultimately lose the series? Was there a specific thing? Was it a confidence factor? What kind of happened in your mind? Um, I, I think all, th- I think games five and six were very similar, uh, Bob. I think that in both of those games, Montreal came out, they got the lead and then we stormed all the way back. And, and I thought we played really, really well. We pushed back in the games when, when it, we could have went quietly into the night. Um, 
tied both games. We're down three in game five and down two in game six on the road. Uh, came back, tied the games, had chances in game five to win it in regulation, had copious number of chances in game six and overtime to win it as well. Puck didn't go in. And so that set us up for game seven. I thought game seven for us was a totally different um, uh, set of circumstances and a, a different uh, mindset that ailed us. I thought in game seven, we were uh, passive and we were a little bit, we were, we were on our heels. We went it into the middle of the ring in a championship do or die uh, fight. And we really went in and, and allowed ourselves to feel out the opponent rather than go and assert ourselves and, and get on our toes and, and attack it and assert our style of play, which has sort of been the thing that I think that's ailed us. If you look back at all those similar games, if you go back to Columbus, 2020, Boston, in in 18 and 19 uh and washington even in game six uh 2017 so um that to me was sort of the same type of uh, thing that that has hindered us in the past shining through there and i think that is the one thing we need to change when everything is on the line are we going to be able to be at our best and assert ourselves and i think the only way we can get through that is openly talk about it not try to um, dance around the fact that uh, that it doesn't exist uh, and just lean into that criticism and reality and go right through it. You, you know, you, you talk about that and, and uh, game seven was the guys appeared to be afraid to lose, just afraid to lose. And, and, but this is a team that over the last two or three years has been in this, as you talked about in this same position. And how do you get over the fact of being afraid to lose? They, the, some of these guys aren't teenagers anymore no. and they have to, they have to push through that. I agree with you, John. I think we have to help them as an organization through it. And I think the way that we go through it is, you know, last year as we hadn't, as we went to the playoffs, there was a, a, you know, the narrative coming out of our room and organization was that we were different. This year was different. And I think when you tell everybody that they're largely going to say, okay, we, we, we might believe you because the regular season has shown that so far, but you're really going to only know that when the pressure amps up and, and you have to go through that, that, uh, crucible of you know the, the biggest test and mm-hmm. in in that moment we went we reverted back to what the team has been before and i think rather than dance around it and rather than look back on it we have to look ahead and say we're going to be tested in that way again and this is what's happened in all these different times when we've done it how are we going to change it and i think the way that you, you start to change it when something's an issue is you confront it you talk about it you're open about it you don't try to hide from something that's uh, uncomfortable or something that has ailed your team in the past and limited limited its ability to reach its potential. You have to look right at it and go right at it. And, and that to me is, you know, with Sheldon, the coaching staff and, and with all of our conversations and management with the players and the coaching staff, with the players and the players amongst each other have been about um, this off season. So um, I know that um, I know that everyone will be looking at the year and, and, asking themselves, okay, they could have whatever regular season they want, but how are they going to respond to those moments? And that will be the ultimate test for our team. And, and uh, I think what everybody here is looking forward to, but in order to get to that point, we have to have a great regular season first. Well, one of the things, one of the things that happens um, regularly, Kyle, and as you would attest is a general manager evaluates the strengths and weaknesses of his, of his club, especially at the end of the season. And one of the questions you would ask yourself is, well, where do we need help? Where can we be better? And um, with the cap being what it is, with the um, cost of your current roster being where it is, your flexibility, your ability to be flexible is, is very much limited. We understand that, which leaves you with the potential of a trade. 
do you, and, and, and the question I'm sure you asked yourself at some point and within the organization, within your group is, is there, is there a move we can make that we don't really want to make, but will help our team? And in, almost inevitably, that move would be, be a core player. And how seriously did you contemplate that possibility? I think we, we looked at everything, Bob, and we look at everything regardless. I know that, that there's a, a sort of a, a feeling that the, that the core group is, is protected and we have a strong belief in them, but I think we would look at anything that would, that would improve our, our team overall. Like regardless, there, there, I don't think there's, I think that the time for sentiment and, and different things like that have come and gone as the years have gone past where, where we haven't uh, broken through to what many deem is our potential. Now, um, none of those opportunities we felt came along in the summer where it was going to tangibly improve our team. We could have, it would have made us different, but it wouldn't have necessarily made us better. And in the end, uh, the decision was from my end that you know, regard whether the team has reached its potential or not, or whether there's a huge amount of doubt around the team, I have an incredible amount of belief in the talent of the group of the core group and in who they are as people. And I also would have come to, appreciate over my brief time in, in this league and, and studying others is that if you really believe in something and it doesn't go necessarily the way you want right away, it's in those moments where you're staring down the barrel of a high amount of pressure and criticism and doubt that you really, your, your belief really truly gets tested. And, and uh, that's how I feel about our group here. And I'm excited for them to, to pick themselves back up and get back at it in a few weeks and, and get into the season. Um, and if things come up along the way that can improve our team, that's, that's the job and, and we'll be aggressive in trying to do that. But uh, at this moment, none of, none of those things have, have come across where, where I felt our team would be better. It might've satisfied the masses and the team might've looked different, but there was nothing um, that came across from the day that we ended the season against Montreal till today where I felt that we would have been absolutely better. And in the end, that's, that's the position I'm in is to try to find those opportunities, not just something that will make us different and potentially, you know, give me some um, room to breathe uh, amongst the public or the media. Are, are you tough enough? I think we've, um, I think that's always a question of every team. I think the game is so different now. Uh, we went into the off season and, you know, the, the players that we acquired uh, in free agency, especially John, I think bring those different elements. We, you know, we brought back Wayne Simmons. We acquired Nick Ritchie. I think Nick is, you know, he's, he's a good player and he can score. He can play up and down the lineup, but he's also, you know, he's a, also a very, very tough young man in the, in the way that he plays. Uh, Michael Bunting, we, we, he's a local player. We, we signed him from Arizona. Um, you know, he's, he's not got a long fight record or anything like that. And that really doesn't matter to us, but in terms of how he competes, where he scores, the areas that he's able to get to, that was what was really important to us. And then signing David camp, um, you know, he's uh, someone that we feel can take on a huge responsibility defensively up front. So um, in terms of the players that we signed, we certainly looked at their competitiveness or toughness or whatever you want to call it. And, and that was uh, really, really important to us in terms of how they played, how hard they played, where they were, where they were able to have their success as players around the net uh, defensively and such. And so, um, you know, we're, we're happy with where we went there. We've obviously lost, you know, Zach Hyman, who is a very competitive player, um, but that's going to happen um, with, as, as Bob alluded to earlier, with where the cap is, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to have, if you want to be a competitive team, um, 
and you want to contend, I think every contending team last year has lost a, a number of core players that were free agents. Uh, and I think you're going to see more and more of that because you can't just extend the players and hope that you're going to figure out the cap stuff later. The cap isn't going to go anywhere. So you've, you've got to, you're going to see, I think, see a lot more guys playing out their their UFA seasons. Is the criticism that you, uh, that, that is out there that you have designed a great regular season team, but not a great playoff team. Is that fair? I think it's fair for, for that, uh, John, until we show that that we can have success in the in the in the playoffs, I think there have been a number of teams over the years in hockey and other sports that have dealt with that have been levied with that same uh, accusation and claim. And you can fight it, and you can try to refute it, and you can get sensitive about it. You can say, you know, geez, it's until we show we can win in the playoffs, it, it's right, and it's up to us to go out and prove that. It's, wow. it's not on anybody in the public to defend us or or to or to shelter us from that claim we have to go out and do it and until we do i think the the criticism is fair it's on us and only us to to prove that we can and uh until we do i think it's it's certainly fair of anybody to ask any questions they have or or to or to really ask whether we can and uh, so I, I have no issue with that uh, that at all john raised the issue kyle of the physical presence on this team and traditionally what we see happen and what I think you've done is you go out and try and get a couple of guys that are are significantly physical um I guess the question I have is can you take your core who are less than are not known to be physical players and ask them to be more physical and if you can achieve that, isn't that a much better solution than having one or two guys who go out there and try and dem- bang somebody? I think as with anything, uh, Bob, whatever is accomplished will be our, our core guys elevating themselves. And, and they're still so young, with the exception of John uh, and Morgan. I think they're all, um, they're, they're all still in their early 20s. Now, they're, they're, the sun is setting on the early portion of their 20s, but... That's where they're at. And I think last year, um, to speak specifically about Austin, I thought he took big steps in, in how hard he played and how he competed all throughout the rink. And I thought that led him to be one of the more dominant players in the league. I thought in the playoffs, he continued with with that same style of play. The puck just didn't go in for him. Uh, William Nylander in the playoffs, especially, I thought, I don't think these these or anybody's core group are ever going to run anybody over. I mean, when I look at Tampa, I think that their core players are, are tough. I thought Montreal's core players, whether it was last year, Deneau and Gallagher, I think they're tough and they're, they're physical, but it's not running around, running people over. I think right. it's how hard uh, do you work to, to protect the puck and keep it and get to the middle of the ice and score when it's hard to do that. And um, how hard do you work to get the puck back? And I think our guys, um, particularly Austin and William showed huge signs of, of progress there last year, especially Austin. I think and that's what propelled them into the conversation, of, you know, right up right in behind McDavid when it came to the heart trophy and, and different things of that, of that nature. Um, Mitch uh, Marner with our club has been on our penalty kill and, and a big part of our defensive uh, units his whole time here. And so he's always had that element in my mind. And I think that's what makes him a special talent in addition to his, um, to his scoring. So I, I think our guys just need to get, they, they look around the league and they see teams that have been faced with these same questions and core groups that have been faced with these same questions, having success. And I think it's a great way for our, our people and our players to learn, Bob, but I, I think 
you know, as they're still young, they need to continue to push and develop. And in the end, they have to take those steps, but it's on us to push them to get there. So sure. we have a responsibility there and, and they have one. And, and uh, I think that with the way last season ended this year, more than any other year, I would expect to see massive evolution in everybody as we continue to push to try to win. We're with Kyle Dubas, and we'll take a quick break and come back with uh, more after this message. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at hashtagrenew.com. Bob McCowan, John Shannon, and the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Kyle Dubas. You uh, earlier alluded to, you mentioned uh, Tavares. Um, of course, as Leaf fans well know, last time we saw him, he um, had that um, concussion issue. Uh, give us some kind of an update. Do you expect everything to be fine with Tavares with relation to the, that injury this year? I, I expect so, Bob, but it's a type of injury where um, unlike something purely physical, I don't think you truly know until someone gets back at it and, and fully immersed back into practice and exhibition games and such. So uh, all seems to be good. John feels great. He's in the facility working and skating each day. and uh, He looks great. And I know he's worked his butt off in the summer to, to continue to build on the way that he finished last year for us. And so I'm excited to uh, excited to see him uh, up and rolling. And he's obviously a massive part of our team as our captain and as a center. And, and so um, certainly hopeful that our, our major concern is always with an injury of that nature is, is his health in the long run. And so it's protecting that, but you know, we're, we're now three months past it and all seems to be going uh, smoothly. The uh, the other guy you mentioned, Morgan Riley. I, I, I'll, I'm just going to say three names: Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, and uh, Darnell Nurse. Um, all of those guys got big new spanking contracts, and Morgan's going to be in that scenario uh, at some point during this season, or we'll go to free agency at, uh, next year. How, how are you with, with what the cap is? How are you going to manage the Morgan Riley situation? Well, I, I think more than ever, uh, John, the teams, I think, I think you have to look internally to your, your situation. I, I don't necessarily think we can look at what Chicago, Columbus and Edmonton did and, and say that, you know, we have to follow the suit with them. Um, you know, and, and I think there've been a number of examples, whether it's, you know, St. Louis and Pareko or the Islanders and Pellich, those are, those are number one defensemen as well for, for their teams. And so, um, uh, I think that especially in this era where the cap isn't going anywhere, um, you have to focus on your internal situation and what you have. And, you know, we've got Jake Muzzin and TJ Brody signed for the next three seasons between five and 5.6. And we know what our limitations are going to be. And, and, you know, we, we like Morgan a lot, but we'll, we'll keep all the, the contents of that private between JP Barry and, and myself and, and, uh, and get into the season. I was going to, I was going to say, uh, you, you want, you don't want to talk about Chicago, Edmonton and Columbus, but you know, darn well, that JP's going to be, be bringing up comparables. So <laughs> that's, can, that's the business you're in. in. In I think in the end, everyone can bring up comparables that, that favor them. And I, I think it's, it's up to the two parties to find a fair solution where everyone's happy and, and roll on. But so. yeah, there's, there's no doubt that you want Morgan here long-term, right? 
there's no, no doubts that have popped into my mind yet uh, at all, John. So we'll, you know, Morgan is a, is a, you know, he's a great person and a, and a great player for us. So um, we, we, uh, we hope, but you know, the, the only thing I would say caution about is that these things tend to um, many more of these situations tend to, to play out over the, the longer range rather than before the season or whenever as they, as they have in the past, notwithstanding the extensions that you mentioned, but just with the cap situation where it's at and, and the unknown of where it may go, maybe marginally increases or not in a year. But, um, you know, there, there's, yes, Morgan is, has been a, an excellent person and player for us. And, and I don't see any circumstance where we wouldn't want to keep him. Well, given that, I mean, you're talking about um, Morgan Riley and the cap situation. And there is a story out there, and I'm, I've been around long enough to know that you, you, you can dismiss more stories than you can raise a spocky and eyebrow. In, in this town, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> but there's some speculation about uh, interest in P.K. Subban. Um, is, that even, is it even possible, given the cap situation, that you'd have interest in, in Subban? Or could figure out a way to bring him in. Bob, you're going to get him fined. You can't get Kyle fined <laughs> like this. You can't. You, you, come on, now. Uh, uh, it, you know. Any, I'm just asking the question. Yeah, and any. I mean, <laughs> we get asked these all the time. Any. I mean, you guys alluded to it off the top. I think this season is is of massive importance, and any player that's a free agent a year or two years or five years down the road or whatever it may be is really not our focus whatsoever. So, I mean, we we you know our media relations team led by Steve Keogh. They give us all these rumors as we go into these types of interviews, knowing what might be asked. And I just, I could definitively say that we have not thought a single thing about any player that's going to be a free agent a year from now. Okay. Fair enough. Is your, is your goaltending better this year? I, I think with goaltending, John, you, I mean, you hope so. I think, you know, Jack Campbell, we're expecting him to um, to come in and over the course of a full season, now he's going to have a chance to carry the ball. Um, you know, we like Peter Mrazek a lot. So our goaltending this year saves us a bit on the cap and, and we're hopeful that the two of these guys can work together and, and, and be a really great tandem in the league and that you know, over the course of the season, it sorts out who will start the first game of the playoffs and, and that they have a good battle through the year. So, um, and that will help us to, to become a playoff team and, and then assert our positioning in the playoffs. So um, I think so. I think, you know, we, we last year, you know, Fred was injured for a lot of the season. So, you know, we had, you know, we had to rely on, on Jack a lot that he was injured so Michael Hutchinson carried the ball and he he did quite well uh and then we had to bring in David Riddich so we, we had we had a lot of people not only playing but backing up you know we had Joe Wall and Vini Veveline and, and just with the way that the year was and the, and the number of injuries to our goaltending and, and the length of those injuries became a challenge I'm sure hopeful that we're healthier this year and if we're healthier in that then we should be better you know you know you talk about Jack and and you mentioned Mitch earlier uh, you and I, you, you and I, we've known each other quite a long time. And I, I, the th one of the things I respect about you is your ability to how you pick people around you mentally stronger. And I would tell you right now, the two guys that jump out at me that need help more than anybody, and this is my opinion, are Jack Campbell, who took the losses really hard last year, and Mitch, who understands the pressure of playing in his hometown. How do you manage that? I think with, uh, uh, you know, I've known Jack Campbell for uh, 10 years. Um, well, I've, uh, he was on our team in the Sioux 10 years ago. I've known him for three, four years before that. That's him. He's every, every loss he's going to take hard. He's going to put it on himself. And, you know, we've, we've had a number of conversations over the last year, especially about, 
you know, his demeanor, especially as he kind of started carrying the ball last year, John, about how that impacts the team. So if the starting goaltender is really down on himself, and especially when things aren't truly his fault, then that can impact the team. So it's trying to get his mindset to transform from more of a, you know, I'm going to take everything on myself and I'm going to blame everything on myself to uh, I know where I'm at. I know I'm, I'm, I, last year I was a starting goaltender. I'm attempting to assert myself again as that starting goaltender over a full 82 game season. I have to carry myself in, in a bit of a different way while still being the person who has got me to this point. So that's, that's Jack. And I think that's a, Jack is such a wonderful person that, you know, if I was worried that it affected him day to day, the way he took the losses, that it was going to roll over into the next game, I'd have more concern, but mm-hmm. um, I don't with him. Uh, Mitch, I think is gone going, you know, went through at the end of last season, um, something that a lot of players go through as they evolve and they're star players, they produce big time in the regular season. And then people look to what they do in the playoffs. I think the thing with Mitch for us is that, he just enjoys the process that he goes through every single day. And he loves coming in. He's got great energy. He's been around here in the summer out on the ice. Uh, and, and he's, I don't think going to change. It's the, it's the fact of when he gets into, when we get into a series, as I mentioned earlier, he can make an impact on the game in so many different ways. And I think people look at his salary and expect that he has to produce at, uh, at a certain level. And my view of it is I think that if he is, if he's coming in and he's being himself, he's going to have a huge impact defensively. He's going to have a huge impact on the penalty kill. And then naturally uh, his offensive skill set's going to take over. So I think with him, uh, it's just a matter of, of knowing why, why we value him and we value him for everything that who he is as a person and everything that he does and contributes to our team in all facets of the game. And I think the, the production and the offensive side uh, comes naturally to him and it will come naturally in the playoffs uh, over, over time here as we go through it. And I really think that, that that struggle and that criticism levied towards him and playing in his hometown in the impact that that may have on he and his family. Uh, I think that will only help Mitch over time, especially as he uh, deals with it more, learns to overcome it and then thrives through it. I think it's up to us to help him thrive through it. Well, I'm not here to, um, wave the flag for Mitch Marner, but there's some statistical information that I think is significant. We, we acknowledge, and I think you would acknowledge, and I'm pretty sure Mitch would acknowledge he didn't have a great playoffs. Didn't do what he wanted to do in that series against Montreal, but he's, here's a guy who's averaged 1.1 points per game during the regular season and uh, 0.8 points per game in the playoffs. If you consider um, the defensive emphasis that exists in the postseason, those numbers are, are are pretty reasonable, and I think the criticism of him was scapegoat-like. It was just a disappointing fan, disappointed fan base, and I think you would agree, justifiably disappointed, looking for the guy to hang the loss on, like who was most responsible. And it was it's it was easy to look at Mitch and say, well, he didn't perform the way you hoped he did offensively so therefore he he gets uh he gets the goat um thoughts on that i think that the world and this is not to derail this conversation to something deeper but i I just think the world is so different now than it was before march 2020 and that whether this is a political thing or the fact that everyone has endured a pandemic or or the combination of the two is that i think the world is just more much more, more vitriolic um than it was before. And I think that manifests itself most on social media. Um, and, and then that spills over into the 
more public domain of media in terms of people needing to elevate their voices and and um, and have their voices heard and rise above the social media um, vitriol. And so I, you know, for whatever reason, last year that as, as our series ended, I think you know Mitch. You know, he had he created a lot, and um, you know he had a number of not countless chances to score. It just didn't go in for him, um, and he ended up being the one that I think people went after the most. Whether that's because he's local, whether that's because of his gregarious nature and the energy and youthful enthusiasm that he brings every day makes him an easier target. I don't know, but I do know uh, what he's about, and I do know uh, that he cares deeply about our team and. And helping us win and be successful and i do know that over time uh that criticism will, i think is we've all seen and you guys much longer than i in sports that the people who one year are highly critical and and spew a lot of hatred towards somebody are just as likely to the next year be the biggest booster of that person if they have success and i think especially in this you know, era that we're going through, um, that is more true than ever. And uh, I'm very excited to see Mitch um, capture that uh, sentiment from the fan base with the way he'll play this season and in the playoffs this year. You, you, you put a smile on my face because you're talking about the pressures and the, the polarization of the media and the polarization of society. And you're sitting in front of a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, the man who invented the bully pulpit. So uh, you have given, obviously given this uh, a little bit of thought. I, that quote's been there for a long time. It's not a new addition. It's just, just, it's just a reminder every day, I think, especially working here, that if you, um, if you come in every day and you're worried about what everyone outside the organization thinks or what they say, um, they're not inside the building going through it with you. And, um, you know, you're, you're going to have your moments on this journey where you fall and you have to get yourself back up and people are going to laugh at you and say that you're never going to make it and, and that, you know, they're going to criticize you for your belief in what you're doing. And I think especially in those moments, John, where, where that, where those criticisms are rightly levied, you have to stand up and keep marching forward. So that's really the key. <laughs> um, uh, the league came out with its COVID rules last Thursday. Uh, it's a two-tiered system, vaccinated or unvaccinated. How much will it affect your team? It'll have zero effect on our team. Um, between players and staff will be 100% vaccinated. Um here uh right now so we're we're good to go so no impact on us uh we uh we wish you good luck in the upcoming uh season uh it is it is interesting in this this era how brief the off season is and how quickly another one comes upon you and um uh, maybe that's a good thing this year for the uh, toronto maple leafs um don't dwell on the past get on with the future and uh, we wish you good luck, and we thank you very much for uh, for joining us today and spending some time with us. Thanks, Perfect. Kyle. Thanks, guys. Great to see you. Thank you. Kyle Dubas, we'll come back with more after this message. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. McCown and Shannon back with you. And uh, again, our thanks to Kyle Dubas, the uh, general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, what'd you make of uh, the things that he said? 
Well, I, 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 you know, full disclosure, I've known Kyle a long time since he took the job in Sault Ste. Marie and have always had a good rapport with him and been able to ask questions and get simple answers. Uh, and he's never shied away from any question ever. Um, and so I, I think that that in his nature, he is, he's prepared to admit fault almost, <laughs> almost too much at times. Um, but at the same time knows that uh, he's under a ton of pressure this year. And this, this might be he and his group, their last chance to get this team to the promised land. And I think that that's, uh, that was pretty evident to me. Um, a couple of things. Um, we have uh, two players in the semifinals of the um, United States Open for the first time ever. And when I say we, I mean Canadians. Fernandez or Oje Aliassim, which is which one would you say is more likely to make the final? Uh, well, it, you know, I, I'm I'm not the, you know I'm I'm not John McEnroe uh, as a te tennis expert, but but I think uh, Layla's got a better chance of getting through to the final. I think Medvedev is going to be very difficult. I think that uh, there's a real belief in New York that his game. Uh, is just a little bit better than uh, OJ Alassim's, and uh, that uh, uh, and and the, the, there's a better chance that Leila actually win the uh, the U.S. Open than uh, than Felix. Well, it, it, what is interesting is that an unseeded player like Fernandez would be perceived at this point to have a better chance than a 12th seeded player. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I don't disagree with your assessment just based on the way they, the both the two of them have played, but both, I mean, hey, this is fantastic though, Bob, this is oh, all gravy. This is gravy now, by the way, did you see Djokovic last night? Uh, watch part of it. Oh my goodness gracious. Once he got his, uh, mindset in place. What, what a display that was in the last, well, he did that in sets. his last match too. Yeah. Lost, lost big time in the uh, first set and then steamrolled. Yeah. yeah. No, he's. He's uh, he is one impressive dude right now. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays with yet another victory, John. It just keeps rolling along. Well, and not only that, not only that. When you, you know, with what Manoa did, and I mean what Simber did, and then um, Romano to come in and do what he did. I mean, everything's just fallen into place. I mean, the criticism of the bullpen is evaporated because they have, but they're back. You know doing smaller stints and it, it they seem to be so much more effective and i don't i don't know if anybody can tell you why other than confidence no you can't you can't there's no there, there's no science to this this is all happenstance yeah but you know so much of sports and certainly baseball is about self-belief self-confidence um motivation what I did yesterday plays on what I do today. And these guys, this is a confident, not cocky, but a confident group. Mm -hmm. And um, who knows how long this run can continue, whether it's in consecutive victories or just playing well for, you know, the next three weeks, but which is number, what they really want to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've all talked all season long, how well they can hit the ball, but the numbers in these guys are, you know, Teoscar's numbers and Simeon's numbers and Guerrero's numbers, Bichette's numbers. I mean, they're just spectacular. You, you compare them to other teams. You've compared, I you tried to compare them last night to what the Yankees are doing. And the numbers dwarf anything that the Yankees have really. I mean, it was, it's just, it's so impressive. 
Well, what you need is you need somebody to step up every night. And, it, and it's been a different character the last uh, week mm. or so, almost every night. Somebody different jumps up and takes the, um, takes the honors for, um, for a victory. Uh, the National Football League season begins um, tonight, actually. Do you, yeah. I don't know how well you follow the National Football League. A little bit? Oh, no, I follow the NFL, sure. You know, Tom Brady is going to make his 300th start in the NFL tonight, 300. Yeah. Games. Well, when he hits a thousand, let me know because you know, Bob, Bob if there's one guy that might hit a thousand, well, that's the point. <laughs> you know, I, do you remember, I, I'm, I'm going to do an old man thing here. Do you remember when we were kids? Uh, I was, a, I lived on the West coast. We were Raider fans. I loved, I loved the Raiders and, and uh, their first quarterback when I was a kid was Daryl LaMonica, their backup quarterback was a guy named George Blanda. Yeah, George, George Blanda George, played till he was 45. Yeah, yeah, but George Blanda looked 60. George Blanda looked old before old was a word. And then you think and look at Tom Brady, who's... 45. 45, and you're going, well, Tom looks like a kid compared to George Blanda. It's astounding, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And we used to revel in the fact, well, get, let's get Blanda in and we can talk about a 45-year-old maybe getting a couple of touches in a game. <laughs> well, I can do better than that. I mean, well, not better than that, but remember Lou Groza? Oh, sure. Lou Groza played till he was around 45, something like that. He was a kicker, for yeah, God's but sake. That's a, that's a kicker. That's well, a no, kicker. but that's my point. My point is we thought it was remarkable that a guy like Lou Groza could... could yeah continue to play in the nfl yeah. well he was just kicking the ball yeah. you know no. this is this is a this is a quarterback i mean now having said that i think you would agree with me the only position in the national football league where a guy could play until 45 is quarterback other than kicker other than kicker yeah right probably oh yeah pr probably right yeah 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 and running and backs face could never rules. do it linemen yeah. could never do it and the rules Even a wide they, receiver probably couldn't do it. And the rules they put in place in the NFL to protect the quarterback has allowed for that. Well, it, it's, it's fascinating to watch. And they're playing the Dallas Cowboys, who I think will fall flat on their face one more time. I no, really no, do. No reason to believe they won't. Yeah, yeah. You make Tampa Bay the favorite to come back and win? They, all 22 guys, all 22 starters Started, yeah, I know. are back. I think it's the first time ever that that's happened. Yeah, and, and on the other side, I think Dallas, after being a disappointment last year, and after the Prescott injury, I think they made 36 changes on their 53. Well, that's roster. Dallas. I'm, they're not in the they're not in the conversation even for for the championship. <laughs> I don't know who who's my favorite. I I don't want to pick Tampa to be my favorite. I I don't I don't want to. Well, they sure I, look like the best, uh, the most likely champion. Yeah. Although I will tell you, and I I feel like I have the right to say this because. It has been decades. I mean. Oh, here we go. Years. Here we go. Go, Bob. Say it. They got a chance. <laughs> He's talking the, about the Cleveland Browns, folks. The, they got a chance. <laughs> I, I wouldn't bet on them. Um, I, I was thrilled with the way they played last season. Uh, that, that Pittsburgh playoff game was absolutely oh, fantastic. Yeah. But without their head good. coach, without their head coach on the sideline. They're pretty good, and um, they certainly look like a playoff team, and maybe a lot more than that. Who knows? We'll uh, we'll watch and see. Hmm. You want to tell everybody who's coming tomorrow? No. Nope. Okay. 
John keeps things a secret and I just follow along. Bob, like information the... is power. Information is power. Well, <laughs> you have some information and uh, you're pretending to be powerful. <laughs> uh, pretending for, is the key word. Uh, again, our thanks to Kyle Dubas. Uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Bye, everybody.